0: Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. Thank you for joining us today. Make sure that you're looking at the Church Center app, the Church Center app. If you haven't downloaded that yet, a lot of information is on that, lots of activities that, that are coming out. And uh, what we're doing this summer, we're doing a lot of things that, that are just kind of just connection events. We're doing, we're, we're doing. I'm doing a, a, a one-time kayak group on the 17th. How many kayakers we got out there? I'll see you guys on the 17th. They're all over there. <laughs> If anyone else wants to join us, the information is on there. July seventeenth, we're doing that. We're doing some epic hikes that go to the top of some pretty great areas, and then we're also doing uh, what uh, Pastor Kim's called it what? Is a slow person hike. Be a little. Later this yeah, a little later this summer, but there's a beach night coming up on the 24th. So many things, great opportunities to get out. And it's not going to be raining anymore after the 4th, right? So you'll, you can get a chance to enjoy that. And uh, so all the information's there. Make sure that you're uh, affording yourself. It's a great summer. Get out. Enjoy it. And if you're not a part of a group, make an, make your own micro group and just get together over some delicious iced coffee. And have a have a great time. Thank you for giving today, part of our worship. Those of us that call Strollline Community Church our, our home, this is our family. Uh, we we uh, walk in the Lord in worship, in giving to the Lord. Because of your of your faithfulness to the Lord, we're able to reach out in so many ways to our community and to our world. Most people give on the church center app, and you you can go in there and just click that on. All the information is there. There's also boxes in the back. And again, this is part of our worship. This is not, the Bible says the Lord loves what a cheerful giver. So as we, uh, as we prepare to give today, where there's some tithes and offerings and then with missions, can we just give thanks to the Lord for his goodness, for his provision, and for his faithfulness? God, we want to just just pause and, and Lord recognize that you are Jehovah-Jireh. You are my provider. Everything I have, Lord, the food I eat, the Lord, the bed I lay in, the family that you've blessed us, the community you've blessed us with, Lord, we recognize that's a gift from you. That's your provision in our lives. So, Lord, we want to pause and just say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And God, help us to be good stewards of that. Help us to use what you've entrusted to us to use for your glory. So, Lord, we bring it to you now, Lord, in in tithes and offerings, in missions. Lord, use us. Lord, may we head into a season where we are generous, where you just flow through us. We're just conduit that you flow through. And so, Lord, we give you thanks. We pray for all of our missionaries today, Lord, in so many, so many parts of the city, so many parts of our world. God, may they experience the fullness of who you are. May we generously give and support and let them know that we're praying for them, but we also know that faith without works is dead. So, Lord, we give and we go as you provide opportunity we give you thanks now in your name in your name everyone said together amen amen well if you have your bibles today i encourage you to turn to galatians chapter 5 because this is july 4th weekend this is a weekend that we celebrate freedom and when i think about freedom i often go to galatians chapter 5 the entire book is a book that it really focuses on the freedom that we have in Christ. And, and I just want to say I'm so thankful for the freedom that we have. I'm thankful for those that they've given their lives, those that have done so much, so that we have the freedom to do what we do today. In many parts of the world today, there's, there's, there's what's known as the underground church, that there's Christians that are having to worship under severe persecution. You know, uh, it's, it's not just persecution that somebody might dislike me. But it's it's severe persecution under arrest, under death in many circumstances. And today they continue to worship no matter what. And my prayer is that God may we uh, may we not take advantage of the freedom that we've been given, but may we use it for Your glory. And here in Galatians chapter five, the the, the apostle Paul he's looking at them and he's going to a deep freedom. He's looking at a freedom that 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 uh, that. Uh, that often means a little different than what we may think it is. So let's, let's, let's d- dive into this today. Galatians chapter 5, we're going to read verses 1, and then we're going to jump ahead to 13 through 15, but we're going to be quoting from this all the way through. Paul begins chapter 5 by saying, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. And then down in verse 13, Paul says, For you have been called to live in freedom. My brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Have you heard that here before? (laughs) Love your neighbor as yourself, even your Canadian neighbors. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So, in, in this whole book and in these few verses that Paul is outlining, he's outlining several things here. But one of the key th- things that he's outlining, first of all, is that we don't know how to be free. We really struggle with freedom. See, we, 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 we want to be free, and it's one of the biggest things that humanity strives for. But freedom can often be elusive and it can be conflicting. And it can be filled with fighting and struggling and arguing. Anybody ever struggle with fighting and struggling and arguing in your life, right? If you move at all, there's going to be some kind of conflict going on. And it's often been said that the, the, the only thing more difficult to handle than failure is what? Success, right? How many you've been losing and gaining the same 40 pounds for the last, right? That's me. I, I've probably lost like 400 pounds in my lifetime, and, I, and then I, I've, I keep gaining it back and back and back. You know, and I think if you, if you, if you uh, research online, you'll see that uh, one of the biggest group of people that struggle with handling finances are lottery winners. <laughs> they get a million dollars, and it's like, you know, Tesla's for everybody, only to find them a few, le- few years later broken and destitute and worse off than when they first began. See, freedom is very difficult. That's, that's why Jesus said... He didn't say it's impossible for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven, but he said it is very difficult for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. And Paul, he's addressing our struggle with freedom in the book of Galatians. And he's he's talking about, he says in the beginning of this, he says, it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. But only seven verses later, Paul looks at this group and he's like, what happened? What happened to you guys? We came in. This is a group that Paul poured his heart and his life into, but he's, he's like, you were made to be free, but what happened? I love how the message version says this. The message version in chapter 5, verses 7 through 10, it, it says, you were running superbly. How many people have called you superbly before, right? And then he said, who cut in on you, deflecting you from the true course of obedience? Paul said, this detour doesn't come from the one who called you into the race in the first place. And please don't toss it off as insignificant. See, Paul is passionate. This was a church that Paul planted. He, Paul traveled around spreading the good news of the gospel, telling people about Christ, and establishing local churches, local bodies of Christ that could flourish and could be a part of sharing the love of Christ. He poured his heart into it, and they were doing awesome in the beginning. They had a great beginning. I mean, we often have good beginnings, don't we? My first day of kindergarten was epic. Just talk to my kindergarten teacher. We're really good at starting it, And at the starting line, if you've ever run a race, if you've ever looked at a half marathon or a marathon, my son Brayden and I, were training for a half marathon up in Bellingham in September. And when you look at the beginning race, everyone's good. They've got their Gatorade on. They've got their goo. That's those little squishy things. If you run, that it'll it'll put it in. It's supposed to make you feel like a Superman, but it doesn't. It just tastes gross. Um, And everyone's got their bars on, and they're ready to go. Everyone looks the same. But as you get running, this is where it starts to separate a little bit. Because after about a mile in, my experience has been, this is where it becomes very clear, those who prepared <laughs> a lot and those who have not. Doesn't it? Everyone can start well. First day of college, first day of school, first day on the job, on time, early even and ready to go. But our preparation shows up pretty quick. This is when the pack starts to Separate. And those who begin to pull away, those who are running free in that moment, those that just seem to run effortless, those are the ones that they've lived a life of discipline. These are the ones that they ate today, what would give them freedom in the future. Or better said, they didn't eat things that they knew would bog them down as they got into race day. The ones who were running free in the race, these are the ones that they disciplined their bodies, and they did the training runs, In order to give freedom, they're the ones that got up early, right? So they gave up sleeping in because they wanted to run free on race day. Race day has a cost to it. These are the ones that said no to anything that would pull them away from the race. Do you see where I'm going in all of this? There was a discipline that came into mind because we often think of freedom being in the moment, right? We, we, we kind of think of a freedom being like this crazy child. Have you ever seen a crazy child? Or if, if you've been if you were a crazy child, raise your hand, self-identify this morning, right? We tend to think that's what freedom looks like, but every parent, every teacher would say, that's not freedom, that's chaos in action. See, freedom is about the discipline that comes in place so that you can live how you were made to go. You know, I was thinking about one of my favorite things to do. Um, I'm not as good of an athlete as that, so I like to eat s'mores. Any s'more lovers here, right? Yes, I know, that excited you more than Jesus. So, Um. (laughs) One of my favorite things is to get around a campfire, and I'll never forget, I was around a campfire, and I had all the s'more stuff out, and one of my sons had his friends over, and they were all there, and we're all doing s'mores. And the one student, I tried to give him a s'more, and he said, no, no, I'm, I'm in training. I said, well, man, you, you, you look like you're there. You've made it. I mean, who's healthier than you? And while the rest of us were eating s'mores, he was roasting a green pepper over the fire. And upon, he, he, he roasted all, all kinds of stuff that I was doing. And the rest were doing marshmallows and graham crackers and chocolate. And the more that I tried to tease him, the more he was like, no, I'm, I'm good. I got a green pepper. the two of us were in a race, who do you think would win? (laughs) The other guy. Why? Because he was saying no to it. Now, it, it didn't mean that he never had that kind of stuff. I've seen him wolf stuff down in my house. But what it meant is that he was in trading. He was disciplining himself. He was was saying no to everything. He had a goal. He was disciplined because he wanted freedom, not the freedom just to have a marshmallow in his mouth today. He wanted the freedom to do something greater, to tune himself so that when it came race day, he knows that he had done everything that he could and that he could run with freedom. See, this is what Paul is talking about. What Paul is saying is that freedom is not about abusing it and just doing whatever you want. Freedom is about knowing what you were made for and making the choices, having the discipline for today so that you can be free because freedom has a cost to it. Freedom is not chaos. But if we're going to run this race, if we're going to do whatever God's called you to do, living for Jesus and walking in that way, we need to recognize that freedom is not about doing what we want. Freedom is about looking to the designer. Freedom is about looking to the designer, to the person who made us, because the designer knows how we were made to run. And a lot of times, when we try to become our own designer, my design would be like, you know, God, I can, I can have s'mores. Is one s'more going to kill me? But what does one s'more end up going? Two s'mores. Two s'mores become three s'mores, and you know where that's headed, right? And then we wake up the next morning, going, What have I done? See, freedom is found in operating the way that we are created. When you look at a building, you know there was a builder behind it. And for our lives, when you look at humanity, there was a builder who was God. And this means that for us as humans, we look to God. Because when we ignore the designer, when we ignore the way that we were made to operate, it is a recipe for disaster. And see, Paul, he he told them this, and he modeled this, and he discipled them in how to do this. But unfortunately, the Galatians, like many of us, they got off track. They got off track. And that's why Paul was so emphatic. He's like, What are you doing? What happened to you? What pulled you off course? And in this selection in Galatians 5, Paul is talking about the false teachers that had come in to distract them. They were doing really well. It was gospel, it was Jesus. We followed Jesus Christ and Him alone. But in this example, what had happened is that there were these false teachers that came in and said, Jesus is good. But you also need to add all these ceremonies and all these rituals to it. And they were talking about circumcision and so many other things that were part of the Jewish law and the Jewish ways, and they were adding them to it. And we can become very critical of that, but we often do the same thing, don't we? See, one thing that you'll never see an elite marathon distant runner doing when they're at the front of a line, you'll never see them carrying a 50-pound backpack If you see an elite runner carrying a 50-pound backpack, they're not in it to win it. They run very light, they strip it down. They have shorts that make me kind of look have to kind of look away. (laughs) I'm like, are people wearing those tight still short shorts? Why are they doing that? They want to strip aside everything, every hindrance, every weight. They've got the lightest t-shirts on. They've got the lightest shorts on. They've got shoes that costs sometimes almost as much as my first car that I had. Because they want to be light. They want to be effortless. They've done the training, and they want to go. They want to strip everything along the side. And if I said, hey, would you carry this bag during the race? I don't think they'd even talk to me. They'd laugh at me. They're like, don't you know what you're doing? Do you know that you're in a race? But how many times do we grab things, and we just we add it, and we say, I love Jesus, but can I just add these things? Can I start carrying these things? Can I start putting these things on? For them, it was rituals. For them, it was, it was the old customs that they were coming in. And, and what we find out that instead of running the race now with freedom, we find ourselves exhausted. We find ourselves weighed down. We find ourselves filled with these burdens. We find ourselves out of gas. And what began with freedom and Gatorade and goo becomes, Dear God, just help me finish this race. Have you been there? See, this is not freedom. So what does freedom look like? Well, Paul, Paul brings it all back to Jesus, and he strips it down, and he says these key words in that first verse in chapter 5. And the two words are, stand firm. Paul says, stand firm in your freedom. Verse 1 says, for freedom, Christ has set you free. And then immediately Paul says, stand firm. He set you free. Now stand firm in the freedom that Jesus has given you. See, standing firm, what Paul's talking about, he's talking about standing firm on the gospel. See, the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. What Paul is saying is that the gospel is complete. You don't need anything else. It's the gospel and the gospel alone. See, the gospel is massive. And when I talk about the gospel, I'm talking about the good news of Jesus Christ because this encompasses, it addresses my past. You got any problems in your past? Jesus deals with it and takes care of it. If you have any problems today in this moment, Jesus deals with it and takes care of it. If you're worried about your future, Jesus can deal with it and take care of it. Your past, your present, your future, Jesus can deal with it and take care of it. And I'm not just talking about just this this one kind of emotion of Jesus, it's yours, and then we walk away. No, Jesus is saying, no, I'm walking with you in this. Because I've, I've gotten some pushback sometimes when I've said Jesus is the answer to everything. I've even had someone one time say, don't say that. I'm like, what do you mean don't say that? He said, well, you just can't say Jesus is the answer and walk away. No, I'm, I'm saying Jesus is the answer. Walk with him. Be engaged in it. Because there's the work that takes place as you walk with Jesus. It is a deep work. It is an ongoing work. It is a sacrificial love that is being played out in your life. This is what the gospel is. See, The gospel answers all the big questions in our life. One of the biggest questions is, where did I come from? Where did I come from? The gospel answers the question that we came from God. This is the foundation of the gospel, that we were made in the image of God. And because he loves us and because he made us, he wants to have a relationship with us. This is the foundation of the gospel, the good news. You were all made by God. If you want to see something that looks like God, look at your neighbor. This is your moment to say, man, you're made in the image of God. You can do that right now. If they're asleep, wake them up and say, God never sleeps. You were made in the image of God, everyone, everyone. The gospel answers the big question of what happened. If we're all made in the image of God, then why do we have this brokenness? Well, because we rejected him. Because we rejected him. And we can kind of make it nice and easy and say, well, you know, I never did this or I never did that, but we've all rejected him. Have you ever told a lie in your life? Yes. Thank you for being honest, Val and Jesus forgives you, <laughs> right? Have you ever thought bad thoughts before? I, I have. I mean, start walking through it. We've, we've all rejected God. Have you ever ignored God? Have you ever failed to call on God, the God who gave you everything? We have all, we, we can walk down this whole line and the answer to it would be yes, 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 and it's there. We've all, everyone, have rejected God in same ways, in different ways. See, ignoring someone is this, and ign- ignoring someone is the same as re- re- rejecting him someone walks in the world to talk to you and into the room to talk to you and you just turn your back and start walking away we would say that's that's incredibly rude wouldn't we if you walked up to talk to me today and i just turned my back and just I looked at you and i turned my back and walked away that'd be pretty rude wouldn't it you'd be like someone needs to talk to that pastor and we 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 we've done that to god The gospel also answers the question, well, what is the solution? Well, the solution is Jesus. And that while we're still sinners, while we rejected him, while we're ignoring him, looking forward in the future, before we're even born, Jesus died for us. When we were at our worst, when we were at our most ignoring, when we were at our stupidest. (laughs) Jesus died and he gave his life for us. This is the power of the gospel that as we believe in him and as we receive him, We become what we sang about earlier. We become the child of God. That's why John chapter 1, it says, But to all who did receive him and believed in his name, he gave the right to become a child of God with all the rights and privileges thereto. This is the gospel. And Romans 8 says that his spirit now becomes alive in us and the gospel, it penetrates us and it transforms us and the gospel takes over our life and it's what, it's what we love, it's what we talk about, it's what we think to where our lives become so God-centered with him in, in us that we're transformed by us and Paul is looking at the Galatians that are getting off track and they're trying to add all this stuff and they're trying to run a race with his backpack on, 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 on them and work boots on and he's saying, stand firm, I gave you the gospel. I told you about Jesus. You received him. Stand firm. Commit to where you're standing. Don't be so easily pulled off course. Don't let difficult times pull you off course. Don't let anything pull you off course, but stand firm. Stay your ground. And a lot of times in this life, sometimes the wind looks like like, like advancing and there's things that are taking place, and sometimes the wind looks just like holding the line. How many of you have experienced that over the last two years? I can stand here and I'm just holding the line. That's a win at times where you're standing your ground. See, it's a commitment. All relationships are built on commitment. The relationships that you have, they're only as good as the commitment. The commitment that you've made and the commitment that they've made to you. And this will be tested pretty regularly. But as it relates to the gospel, Jesus, he committed. Before we committed, he gave everything. And now Paul, he's looking at the Galatians, those he loved, those he's discipled, those he's saying, do you have any idea what God would do in your life? He's saying, stand firm, stand firm, be engaged, hold your ground. See, to stand, it means to persevere. Standing isn't just kind of leaning here to one side and doing an awkward pose in front of everybody. It's about holding your ground and persevering because in this world, and the culture that we are in, the culture is not for Christianity, and the culture will even take Christianity and change it and mix it around. That when you take a stand for, for God, you're going to experience some resistance. Have you been experiencing any of that? There's so much resistance going on now that if you're not experiencing anything, you need to check and say, am, am, am I standing the right way? <laughs> There's resistance in in our culture, and we do it lovingly. We don't do it where we're attacking. We we, we take the posture of Christ where we love our enemies and we pray for them, but we stand firm, we're planted on it. And see, one of the greatest challenges for the early church was the same that we have today. It was false teachings. It was trying to come in and trying to mix it in. In chapter 1, Paul says this. Chapter 1, chapter 1, this is the letter to the people that he loves. He gives them this nice greeting up front, and everything's great. And then he, but verse 6, he kicks in and he says, look, I'm astonished that you were so quickly deserting him who called you. You were doing great. Why are you deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel? Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ." And then he says these words that I think need to penetrate our heart. He says, Even if we, Paul's saying, if it's me and my friends, or if an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary that is different to the one that we preached to you, let them be cursed. If an angel shows up, if a pastor shows up, if anyone shows up in your life and says something different than his gospel, Paul is so serious, he's like, Let them be cursed because that's not the gospel. He said, as we've said it before, and now we say it again, if anyone is preaching you to a different one, he said, I'm saying it again, let them be accursed. And it's interesting that Paul uses the word deserting. See, they would have probably said, we're not deserting, we're just adding. But Paul's making a a very big distinction here because he's saying that when you add to the gospel, you're deserting the gospel because Jesus is not there. When you add and when you filter in, it's no longer the gospel because Jesus is king. He's king Jesus. He doesn't share his throne with anybody. Have you seen kings? Kings don't really share thrones. Did you know that? Everybody who wants to lead, step up. We're going to let all of you lead right now. Would you want to be a part of that group? (laughs) Right? There's one king. He's the only one deserving, worthy of being king. He's the only one who loves you. He's the only one who's given his life. He's the only one who's given everything for us. And that's why Paul is saying that when you add, you're deserting the gospel. The gospel is no longer there. And just like back then, over 2,000 years ago, it's the same today. People try to add to the gospel. And if we're not careful, we can do the same thing. We can add a lot of things in that mix. We can put a lot of things in the boat. And before we know it, you look in, and the gospel's not there, and we wonder why... Our neighbors are confused about who Jesus is. When we add things to it, Jesus is not there anymore. They're saying, Look, this is Jesus. They're going, Really? That's Jesus. When you add to it, you've deserted the gospel, Paul says. It's strong words. That's why Paul says, Stand firm. Stand for Jesus. Stand on Jesus and Jesus alone. That's the gospel. That's the power of the gospel. See, Jesus. Plus, nothing else is the gospel. It's just Jesus. It's in Christ alone I put my trust. There are songs written about it. I know you feel like I'm going to break into a song right now. It's Christ alone. See, only Jesus is perfect. Only God's word is true. Don't let it be polluted with anything else. I mean, how much, do you, how much poison do you need to add to a glass of water before it's no longer safe to drink? If someone say, gave you a glass of water before you drank it, they said, I, I, I just put a little bit of poison in there, but you, you go ahead. Would you drink that water? <laughs> no. But we do that all the time, don't we? Oh, it's just a little bit. Well, how much does it take? I don't want to drink anything or taste anything that has that poison in it. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. See, our lives need to be turned to the point that in every situation, now I I watch a lot of news, I read a lot of news, I read a lot of books, I'm always studying to know the world around me, but when it comes down to all the decision-making, I'm saying, okay, God, you've told me to look and to see the fields in front of me. What would you have me do? Every question, God, what would you have me do? As you're standing with your kids, God, what would you have me speak today? I can speak a lot of opinions that can come and go. I want to speak your truth today. Decisions at work, decisions with your friends, decisions in every life. God, what would you have me do? Your spirit's alive in me. Your Holy Spirit's speaking to me. Holy Spirit, speak to me. What would you have me do? This is what Paul's talking about. And when we pollute it with so many things, Very soon we'll start saying, I I don't hear God's voice anymore. And God's saying, it's filled with junk. Paul would say, you've deserted the truth because you've added all these things to it. What does the word of God say? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways, acknowledge him. And he'll be what? A light. It's a light. You want to see A light. Don't lean on your own understanding. Study, do all those things, but that's all formed and shaped and surrendered to God. See, we stand on God's word. God is at the center because whatever you stand on, you become. Whatever you lean on, you become. Whatever your go-to is, that's who you are. We go to God. We lean on God in everything. That's why we study the word of God because he doesn't contradict the word of God. That's why we hand out these new believers' Bibles. If you, if you don't have, have a Bible, this is our free gift to you. It has great information in it. If you lost your Bible, this is our free gift to you. Do you want a Bible? This is your free, our free gift to you. I can endorse it because I didn't write it. This is for you. You need it. Know the Word of God. That's why we gather together because we need to surround ourselves with Christians. Now, it doesn't mean we don't have any non-Christian friends. I have a lot of non-Christian friends. I have non-Christian family members. I have... But we need to have people around us that are encouraging us, that are praying with us, that are leading us and helping us and walking with us. We need, we need that support. That's why Hebrews says, never neglect gathering together. Be together. Because all of this is meant to enable us to live for Christ. That as our faith is lived, that as we walk in our faith, the faith comes alive in us. We start growing in our walk with Christ. See, knowledge that is not applied, it diminishes in value. That's why Paul says, stand firm. And how do we do this? Paul lays it out just before this in chapter five. Recognizing how difficult this is, recognizing that standing firm in a culture that is often going against you, you're there. Paul lays out in chapter five, he says, walk by the Spirit. See, all of this can only be done through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's why Jesus said, if you're here on Pentecost, he said, go and wait. The comfort will come. The Holy Spirit will fill you and will empower you and will enable you to do exceedingly beyond anything you can ever ask, imagine, or hope for He even told his disciples, you'll do even greater things because the kingdom of God is expansive. I want to move in through your life. And Paul is saying, walk in the Spirit. Here's what the Spirit looks like in our lives. And by the way, we're doing a three week series on the Holy Spirit next. In, this is July, right? This month. <laughs> Here's what the Spirit looks like the Spirit is not about just talking about the Spirit, the Spirit is about living the Spirit. And you know people by, by their fruit, right? So tell me if this is the fruit you want. Paul says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy. The fruit is peace. The fruit is patience. Who needs patience? I'm raising both hands. Lord, give me help me. It's kindness. The fruit of the Spirit is goodness. The fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. The fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. We know each other by our fruit. Now, I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about growing in these things and leaning in these things. And that when that's not there, when I find myself impatient, I'm like, Lord, fill me with your Spirit that God, when when my joy is suffering, Lord, fill me with your spirit. When I find myself impatient and when I find myself getting out of control, God, fill me with your spirit. Flow in and through my life, transform my life, forgive me, Jesus. See, we were created to be filled with the presence of God, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit also, it teaches us, it reminds us who we are. And we even see the apostles that they were, they were bringing things to their memory and they were giving credit to the Holy Spirit for bringing it to their memory. The Holy Spirit makes you seem smarter than you really are <laughs> and it empowers us to do what God has called us to do, and this is the last thing as the worship team comes. The, if we want to experience true freedom. All of these things we've been talking about, it comes down to the purpose, and the purpose is serving. The purpose is serving. See, Paul said in 13, he said, You were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. See, everything comes, it's amazing how everything keeps coming back to this, right? Because the evidence of God in me is in how I treat all of you. The evidence of God in me is how I treat everyone in my community. The evidence of God in me is how I talk to people who agree with me, how I talk to people who disagree with me. Now, do I do it perfectly? All of you can shout a collective, no, Dwayne, you don't. Am I growing? Absolutely. (laughs) We grow in this. But we grow as we go. (laughs) Right? It's as you move, it's as you, God's poured the faith in you. God's pouring his love in you. God's filling you with his Holy Spirit. He's putting everything, and he's saying now exercise that. Live that out. Walk that out. See, freedom is not about doing whatever we want to do. Freedom is about doing what we were meant to do, and it's finding that purpose of serving one another. That's why Paul says, don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. You're walking away from the freedom that was given you. You're actually losing your freedom when you do that. See, so many times we, we allow our flesh to be in charge, and we call that freedom. But the flesh only cares about the flesh. The flesh doesn't care about you. And the flesh will eventually die. And the older that you get, the more you'll see that. Don't be led by the flesh that cares nothing about you. Be led by the Spirit of God, serving one another, loving one another. See, we flourish when we walk in these ways, when, when we love one another, when we pour that out to each other, when we when we give give in ways that it's it's not it's not about my rights, it's not about my way, but God, what would you have me do? Am I willing to look like a fool for Jesus? Am I willing to lay my life down? And I think one of the, one of the biggest things for me in that is oftentimes it means that there are times that I will be misunderstood. How many you you hate when people misunderstand you? <laughs> You're like, I didn't mean that. That's not what's happening there. And they don't understand. Not everyone's going to understand when you live for God. One day they will. But oftentimes in the moment, there are seeds so deep and there's a work so deep that God wants you to do that in the moment you will be misunderstood. Was Jesus misunderstood? Absolutely. When he stood before Pontius Pilate, he was like, why are you you doing this? He had the top leader in the land confused. Jesus is saying, I'm laying down my life. There's something deeper here. There's something richer here. I am freeing humanity today. And So I freely lay my life down. And now he's, he tells us, he told us in Matthew 16, he said, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it these are the happiest people i've seen the people around me the people in this room that they willingly lay their lives down they give up their life they're willing to be misunderstood if it comes down to that these are the people that are the happiest these are the people that when i do their funerals we're celebrating we're crying we're going god help me be like that person right so as we respond today as we let our lives shine before others, as Jesus said. Ask yourself, God, what is distracting me? Is there an area of my life that I'm getting off course here? Is there something that's, that's pulling me off where I think it's freedom, but it's, it's not the way that you've called me to? And ask the Lord, Lord, where are you calling me to serve? Where are you calling me to lay my life down? Where are you calling me to align my life to you, to give up my life so I can... Lose it. To stand firm. Amen? Let's all stand today. You know, in these moments, the team is going to lead us. And I want to challenge you. You know, on this July 4th weekend, when we talk about freedom, we have a freedom, we have an opportunity here. And I would encourage you not just to stay where you are, (laughs) stand firm doesn't mean stand still. We have communion stations. This is a great opportunity for you to be reminded of the freedom that Christ has given you. You may want to do it by yourself. Today's family day, there's kids. You may want to do it with your family. Bring your kids. Teach them what this is like. You may want to go to somebody and just say, would would you pray with me as we do communion today? But let's take time to respond to the Lord. to Say, speak, Lord, your servants are listening. As we celebrate, Lord, we celebrate the freedom that we have through Christ we give you thanks. Now we respond. Do your work in us, I pray in your name. Father, we give you thanks. And though, Lord, may we walk, Lord, not taking advantage of the freedom, but you're using it to serve those around us. We know that's only possible as we are filled with your power, filled with your spirit. So, Lord, lead us today. Lead us this weekend. Lead us our lives to live lives that are evident of the transformative work. Lord, loving our neighbors Lord, the ones that are nice to us and the ones that are not so nice to us. (laughs) Give (laughs) us, show us, and Lord, show us where we need to change, where our perceptions are off. Transform us by your power. And we give you thanks for it in your name, in your name. Everyone said together. Amen, amen. Don't forget, next week on the 10th, TLC is going to be with us, Pastor Harry and his church is going to be here at an amazing time. And the next Sunday night is our other counter night. we are praying for the kids' ministry down in kids' ministry with Isabel, our children's director, young adults' director. Be sure to look on the Church Center app. Lots of stuff going on. We're kayaking, we're hiking. Would love to do that with you. And we're just uh, going to be hanging out on the beach. Uh, let's connect together. Let's allow the Lord to use us. Amen. This is our benediction.